everybody, we are live. This is the JF Media Show. That's right, the J-A-E-F Media Show. My name is Calvin Kavanda, and I am your host for today. And this is episode three of our book study. The title of the book is Healing for Damaged Emotions by David A. Simmons. Healing for Damaged Emotions by David A. Simmons. Like I always like to start off, how are you doing today? How are you doing? I feel that it's very important for me to ask you, how are you doing? And I hope you're doing well. And if there's something that is bothering you in your life, I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, that for whatever duration you tune in for this episode of the JF Media Show, that uh, you will be touched by uh, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God, and that you will feel good, that you will be well on your way out. At whatever time you decide to exit, that God's presence and grace will be with you and change your situation. Now, one of the things that I always like to do as well is to start off with a quick prayer because we are venturing into spiritual terrain and what better person to accompany us on this journey or, you know, blaze the trail for us than the Holy Spirit. So Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this um, opportunity for us to sit under the umbrella of your word. Lord, I ask that you right now send in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge you and we ask that right now from this moment that you invade this atmosphere, you invade the airwaves in this room as well as wherever my brother, my sister, my friend, my colleague uh, is listening that you create a canopy, a shield around us right now, that our eyes will be open to see, our ears will be open to hear, and our hearts will also be open to receive your engrafted word with meekness that is able to save our souls. In the mighty name of Jesus, I do pray, amen. Now that, woof. What a book, what a book. So I'll do a quick recap just in case for someone who is joining this for the first time when they stumbled upon uh, episode three. The book that we're, we're dealing with here is Healing, Healing for Damaged Emotions. And it's by David S. Simmons. So I'm going to read the preface and some of the introductory parts again, and off we go. He says, your past doesn't have to hurt your present. I love that. He says, events in our lives, both good and bad, form rings in us like the rings in a tree. Each ring records memories that affect our feelings, our relationships, 
and our thoughts about God. In this classic work, David Simmons encourages us to live compassionately with ourselves as we allow the Holy Spirit to heal our past. As he helps us name hurdles in our lives, such as guilt, poor self-worth, and perfectionism, he shows us how we can find freedom in our pain and enjoy the abundant life that God wants for us. Healing for Damaged Emotions by David Simmons. Now, the gentleman has gone on to be with the Lord, but I believe this is a great work. He was a pastor, missionary, a professor, emeritus, and counselor in residence at Asbury Theological Seminary. So, okay. Let's read this preface again for context so that you can see how we ended up here. He says, Ali, he says, early on in my pastoral experience, I discovered that I was failing to help two groups of people. People, two groups of people through the regular ministries of the church. Their problems were not being solved by the preaching. Their problems were not being solved by the preaching of the word, commitment to Christ, the feeling of the the feeling of the spirit, prayer, or the sacraments. I saw one group being driven into futility and loss of confidence in God's power. While they desperately prayed, their prayers about personal problems didn't seem to be answered. They tried every Christian discipline, but with no results. As they planned the same old cracked record as they played the same old cracked record um yeah of their defects the needle would get stuck in repetitive emotional patterns while they kept up the outward observances of praying and paying and professing they were going deeper and deeper into disillusionment and despair. I saw the other group moving towards phoniness. So, one group was being driven to futility and loss of confidence in God's power. They just kept going deeper and deeper into disillusionment and despair. And the other group was moving towards phoniness. These people were repressing their inner feelings and denying anything was seriously wrong. Because Christians can't have such problems. Instead of facing their problems, they covered them with a veneer of scripture verses, theological terms, and unrealistic platitudes. And I feel like many people are here. I feel that many people are in this category. He says, the denied problems went underground only to later appear, reappear in all manner of illness, eccentricities, terribly unhappy marriages, and sometimes even in the emotional destruction of their children. During this time of discovery, God showed me that the ordinary ways of ministering would never help some problems, and he began to enable me to open my heart to personal self-discovery and to new depths of healing love through my marriage my children, and intimate friends. 
God then led me to enlarge my pastoral ministry to include special care and prayer for damaged emotions and unhealed memories. In the 20 years that I've been preaching, teaching, counseling, and distributing recordings of the subjects, I have heard from thousands of formerly defeated Christians who have found release from emotional hangups and who have experienced the healing of crippling memories of the past. Wow. Okay. Then, one Sunday evening in 1966, I preached a sermon called The Holy Spirit and the Healing of Our Damaged Emotions. It was my first venture into this area. I was convinced that God had given me that message or I would have never had the courage to preach it. What I said that evening about the healing of memories and damaged emotions is now old hat. You'll find it in a lot of books, but it wasn't old then. So this book was first published in 1981 and then republished again in 2015. So in the last episode, we were talking about, let's just do a quick recap here. We were looking at, let me see here, just for reference, okay. The problem, three rings, let, let me revisit that. It's something that I really need to revisit. The problem. I like this. He says, over the years, letters and testimonies from across the world have confirmed that there is a realm of problem of problems that requires a special kind of prayer and a deeper level of healing by the Spirit. Somewhere between our sins on one hand and our sicknesses on the other lies in the area scripture calls infirmities. That's interesting. We can explain this by an illustration from nature. If you visit the western United States, you will see the beautiful giant sequoia and redwood trees. In most of the parks, the, na the naturalists can show you a cross-section of a great tree that they have cut, and they will point out that the rings of a tree reveal the developmental history year by year. This was awesome. I did not know this. This blew my mind away. I best believe that if God can do this, can embed a technology, a design, where trees can record patterns of the things that have happened to them, then you and I definitely have this as well. Okay, let's keep reading. It says, in most parts, in most of the parks, the naturalist can show you a cross-section of the tree they have cut. And they will point out that the rings of the tree reveal the developmental history, yeah by yeah. Here's a ring that represents a year when there was a terrible drought. Can you imagine that? Here are a couple of rings from years when there was too much rain. Can you imagine that? That's amazing. Here's where the tree was struck by lightning. Here are some normal years of growth. This ring shows a forest fire that almost destroyed the tree. Here's another 
of savage blight and disease. All of this lies embedded in the heart of the tree, representing the autobiography of its growth. Okay? That's the way it is with us. Just a few thin layers beneath the protective bark, the concealing protective mask, are the recorded rings of our lives. These are scars of ancient painful hearts, as when a little, you know, of different things that have really happened. That there's different examples there that I, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about because we we have spent uh, we have spent uh, time. Um, diving into this. That's interesting. Trees record everything that happens to them. Now, remember this. Isn't it interesting that they record the negative things that happen to them? He says, here's a ring that represents a yell when there's a terrible drought, a couple of rings from when there's too much rain, when it was almost, when it was, where it was struck by lightning. Um, here are some normal years of growth. Okay, it also it, they also record um, the good, the good and the bad as well. So this ring shows a forest fire that almost destroyed the tree. Another of savage blight and disease, and it says this is the way with us. Just a few thin layers between beneath the protective bark, the concealing, the protective masks are recorded rings of our lives. Wow. So that's the problem. There's an area within us that is called, Scripture calls infirmities. Infirmities. And today we are going to be talking about that a lot. Now, let me just do a quick recap again. Um, again. Let me see another, something that we should talk about. Yes. I love this. This really challenged me uh, about mystical idea about the new birth. Let me quickly read that. We preachers have often given people the mistaken idea that the new birth and being filled with the spirit are going to automatically take care of these emotional hangups. Let's first go back. So, just like trees record the things that happen to them, even we too have a record of everything that has happened to us. And I, the, the point here is that if something bad happened to us, your emotions recorded it. And if it was something negative, it is recorded, it is in an area of your soul where it is an infirmity. And so he's saying, wow, this is so good. Anyway, he says, there are scars of ancient painful hearts as when a little boy rushed downstairs one Christmas dawn and discovered in his Christmas stocking a dirty old rock, but put there to punish him, to punish him for some trivial boyhood naughtiness. 
this scar has eaten away at him, causing all kinds of interpersonal difficulties. He is the discoloration of a tragic stain that muddied all of life. As years ago, behind the barn or in the haystack or out in the woods, a big brother took a little sister and introduced her to mysteries. No, the mysteries of sex. And here we see the pressure of a painful repressed memory of running after an alcoholic father who was about to kill the mother and then rushing for the butcher knife. Such scars have been buried in pain for so long that they are causing heart and rage that are, inexplic that are inexplicable. And these scars are not touched by conversion and sanctifying grace or by the ordinary benefits of prayer. What he's saying here is that we need to go in deep. We need I'm trying to find uh, just a bookmarker here. What he's saying is that the normal prayers that we do of calm and just praying for someone generically, that those prayers cannot penetrate into the areas of the soul where these infirmities have now developed. These, these specific prayers that have to go deep, that are emotionally targeted prayers, that you have to go in through prayer and talking. And, and today, for today's episode, we're primarily going to talk about, because last time we talked about evidence, examples of damaged emotions. And today we're going to now talk about divine repairs. How can the Holy Spirit work to heal you in these areas of, of, of damaged emotions? And until you open up and you express some of these things and you accept that, yes, they, this thing happened to me in the past and it is probably become an infirmity or in this area of my life these I need to go in into this archive into the Arctic of my emotions and pull out some things for us we think that just because something bad happened and you just say I'll just we have an attic I, I don't know where that came from but I believe it's the Holy Spirit you, you think about it, when you move into a new house or as you, whatever, not even just a new house, we always have areas in our house, in our, in our houses, where we keep things. Memorabilia. Picture the attic of the house where we just store things that, ah, just put it up there. Put it up there. But until we go up into the attic of our emotions or in the storage, in the closets of our hearts, where painful emotions have been stored, where we just kind of like, okay, that happened to me, I will. There's a weight 
Okay, you think about it this way. If you're going to move from an old house into a new house, and you're going to, you know, move things out of your old house into a new house, you have to clear out the RT. Transportation, there's a weight that you now have to decide. You have to go into the attic, pull those items out, and look through them and say, or the storage unit, and say, am I going to take these things with me to the new house? And there is a cost. If you call for a storage company, there is a cost just because those items are things that you haven't used. The storage company doesn't care. The guys who are moving, they're still going to cost you on the items in your storage unit or in your attic. And I believe it's the same thing. As we try to move into the new areas of our lives, to move into a new season, for as long as we have items in the Arctic, any time we're trying to move, our emotions, our soul, our minds, they are carrying those items along. And there's a cost every time we move items from the storage unit or we move items from the attic. There is a cost. And so he's what he, this is what he's talking about. By saying the illustrations that he just gave all happened to people in their childhood. A little boy rushing down on Christmas Day. Um, a little, you know, a big brother and a little sister. A little sister being introduced to sex. Um, a child witnessing their father trying to run after their mother with a butcher knife and things like that. And he's saying these scars are not touched by conversion and sanctifying grace or by the ordinary benefits of prayer. It says, in the rings of our thoughts and emotions, the record is there. There is a record. Just like a tree has a record of everything that happens to it, your mind, your emotions, in the depths of your soul, there is a record. A record is there. There is a memory that has happened to you. You may not be using it right now, but remember, it is stored into the attic of your memory or storage unit of your heart. And it says, in the rings of our thoughts and emotions, the record is there. The memories are recorded and all are alive. And they directly and deeply affect our concepts, our feelings, and our relationships. They affect the way we look at life and God and others and ourselves. Then I like this. We preachers often, often, we preachers have often given people the mistaken idea that the new birth and being filled with the Spirit are going to automatically take care of these emotional hangups. But this just isn't true. A great crisis experience of Jesus Christ, as important and eternally valuable as this is, is not a shortcut of emotional health. It is not a quickie cure for personality problems. 
It is necessary that we understand this first of all so that we can compassionately live with ourselves and allow the Holy Spirit to work with special healing in our own hearts and confusion. We also need to understand this in order to not judge other people too harshly, but to have patience with their confusing and contradictory behavior. In so doing, we will be kept from unfairly criticizing and judging fellow Christians. They are not fakes, phonies, or hypocrites. They are people like you and me, with hearts, scars, wrong programming that interferes with their present behavior. Understanding that salvation does not give instant emotional hell offers us an important insight into the doctrine of sanctification. It is impossible to know how Christian a person is merely on the basis of his outward behavior. Isn't it true that by their fruits you shall know them? Matthew 7.20 Yes, but it is also true that by their roots you shall understand and not judge them. Wow, that was really good. That was really, 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 really good. I like that. I like that. That hits me every time. That is so beautiful. That these this helps us to understand the process of sanctification. In First Thessalonians five twenty three, one of the scriptures that we that we looked at, it says, "Now may the God." Let me quickly pull that up. First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians 5.23 says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls is faithful, who also will do it. It's interesting. It presents sanctification also on three different levels. It says the spirit, soul, and body. And this has really helped me to... I know one of the things you say there is that it helps us to understand how to deal with other Christians, but it has also helped me to understand how to deal with me. Because sometimes you'll not realize, you'll see things just happening in your life. And so why do I do this? Why does this happen? Why do I catch myself doing this? I've prayed about it. You may not know that there's an area, an infirmity, a damaged emotion, a damaged memory, a memory that is still hasn't still been healed that is in you. And you just may not know this. So this gives me so much peace not to be hard on myself, to understand that sanctification of the soul is still happening sanctification of my present and my past. I'm being sanctified presently, but I'm also being sanctified in the past. In fact, if you if we turn to Hebrews, I read this to you. This is very beautiful. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And then we'll go to third John. 
in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 8, it's, it's very beautiful. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10, listen, listen to what it says. For it was fitting for him for whom are all things, okay? And by whom are all things? In bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Then verse 11, he says, For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he's not ashamed to call them brethren. Wow. It says, he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified. Those who are being sanctified. Those who are being washed. Set apart from, uh, from, the, from their past. This is an ongoing process. Sometimes we're too quick to, this has helped me. I cannot tell you. I, at a certain point, when I recommitted my life to Christ, one of the problems that I run into, to be honest, which I thank God that I've been delivered from, a big chunk of delivery has happened, was judgmentalism. When you start to walk right with the Lord, one of the things you run into is you start to look at other people and say, why aren't you working right with the Lord? If I'm doing it, why, why aren't you doing it? So I was always in this being caught up in judgmentalism. Why aren't you reading your Bible? Why aren't you praying? Why aren't you and, and having this, this perception and not giving, extending grace to other people? And it is until the Lord started to show me that, take heed. Uh, <laughs> This is in 1 Corinthians that says that any man who stands, take heed lest he falls. Yes, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. No, yeah, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 says, Therefore, Let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he falls. And I believe in uh, Philippians, it says, let me quickly find that. You know, we, we have to have these honest conversations of, with ourselves. It is not so clear. Yeah. Romans 9.16. Romans 9.16. Let me quickly read that as well. Romans 9.16 says...
So then, it is not of him who wills, nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. It is not of him who runs, it is not of him who wills, it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but God that shows mercy. Wow. So, this is very important. Uh, this area of, 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 of you spending some time, and I've been doing this more and more. There is, oh, I, I can't explain it, brothers and sisters. The, charis the charismatic movement, most of the Christian life, we, you, you know, a friend gave me this book and I despised it. Let me, let me just be honest with you. A friend came and I gave him a book that is called How to Find, Follow, Fulfill God's Purpose for You. And he gave me this book and I was like, here we go again. Emotions? You know, me thinking, oh, I'm not an emotional guy. Well, well, no, in the sense of like, you know, my emotions are good. Like I have nothing to, you know, I'm good. Because most Christians right now think that, and, I, and I'm just making a personal, uh, my own confession as well. I'm telling you where I have been. We are drawn more to the side of the scriptures, the gospel, where we are binding, loosing, casting demons and, and warfare and all of this, external forces. But we don't spend enough time dealing with emotional instability. And these are the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vine. In this book, the examples, as we shall be seeing, of men who were being mightily used by God, but their marriages were in trouble. They were dealing with the worst low self-esteem. And that's where most of us are. And so this, not just this book, but over the last year, I would say, I started to realize that I, I need to have a balanced spiritual life. where. I, I take sanctification of my soul seriously. Not just now the soul being your mind, your will, and your emotions. You know, and now when I find, when I start reading about healing for damaged emotions, and I spend time, excuse me, praying about these things, going back into my past, and remembering, saying, Holy Spirit, start to reveal to me Moments of trauma, discouragement, moments in my past from when I'm young remind me whether in a dream, and the Holy Spirit will bring these things up. I'll be like, what? I've not even spoken to that person for about 15 years. Why am I dreaming about this person? You see, that is where the, now the power of the Holy Spirit comes in. Because you, you might just be wondering, why am I having a dream about someone? Um, it's been 15 years. It was in primary school, for crying out loud, the last time that I interacted with this person. Why are they appearing in my dream? That's the Holy Spirit telling you this unfinished business that you have in that area. So, 
it's it's been great for me to personally uh be asking the Holy Spirit, he'll flash, bring visions of people. And I'm like, what? Who? Him? Her? And I'll just pray and say, Lord, I release a person. I forgive them. The, the man or woman in you right now may not be feeling that pain. But the emotion... Your two-year-old emotions might still be damaged. That's what this book is telling us. Your 30-year-old emotions might not be. But your 30-year-old emotion is just another ring. He's saying the two-year-old emotion might be damaged. You might be 30 years old. But your emotions have been trapped. Your confidence never grew with you. Wow, that's powerful. You might be 40 years old, but your confidence is not of 40 years old. The scripture says that we be sanctified holy. And it mentions three areas, your spirit, your soul, and your body. Your spirit, your inner core, your soul, and then your body. You might be grown, you might be an adult right now, but functioning because you're as you are growing from when you're young, all of you is growing. Your body is growing, your spirit man is growing, and your soul is also growing. They're all receiving, you know, they're all receiving some kind of mileage. So you may not realize that there's a part, a piece to the puzzle of, let's say, your confidence. And there's a part of your confidence, a piece to your puzzle that is locked at the age of six. There's a piece that you need to go and pick up from there and bring and put into the puzzle of your confidence that you have right now. And the whole thing will light up. So this is very important. So if you just pray generic prayers and you don't say Holy Spirit, and, you are, and you're also not aware, because the Holy Spirit will communicate to you in visions. He'll bring a trance. He'll bring a dream. And we always brush off all these dreams that we're saying, why am I dreaming? Why am I having this dream of when I was this young, of when I was this? Why am I thinking about this person for 30 years that I have not even seen, for 20, 15, 10 years, whatever it is? The Holy Spirit is just bringing them to attention, to your attention, to say, hey, go into this area, this archive of your life and release, release yourself. Forgive this person. Or maybe in the moment, the Holy Spirit has actually triggered that person to forgive you for what you did. 
And it's a moment to say, I receive their forgiveness. As much as I forgive, I also receive forgiveness for what I did. So, usually, because these are things that have happened in the past. So it's going back in there and, 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 and releasing that moment, the pressure that is still built up in that, in, that, in that memory and speaking healing into that area and untying your emotions. Now, something drastic has been happening to me within the last two, three weeks. There's a spiritual vitality that I feel ever since, more than the last series, because I think I've had this book for much more, but I felt a change. I felt a change in the vows, my vows. I feel like I'm operating with more vows. I feel like more vows in me are open. You know, sometimes, let's say, um, let's say you let's say you, you can have a vehicle, and you may have two engines or three engines, right? Let's let's talk about a boat or a rocket, whatever. That your your design, your makeup is four engines or three engines or six plugs or you know how this all these things are set up. And you've been running on two plugs, or you are uh let's use cars. Three cylinders, five cylinders, six cylinder, twelve cylinders, meaning these bring in fuel into the engine, right? And previously, because of blockages, maybe only four cylinders were working. Maybe only one of the two engines was working. But the more that I pray into my emotional life, the more I start to pray and say, Holy Spirit, heal me in this memory. Heal my mind. Heal my imagination. Cleanse my mind. Cleanse my imagination. Heal me. Loose my mind. Loose me from emotions of condemnation, of regret. When I was in this school, when I was in that school, when I failed this, when I didn't get this, when that relationship ended, and you start mentioning them, I just feel like uh, the pipes are being unblocked and there's a vitality, you know, just the life from the spirit is now flowing through many valves. So, I'm finding some something is happening. <laughs> Let me put it that way. Something is happening. And it has come from an area where it's not so much as the external warfares, but it is going back internally into the man right now and healing the child in the man. I'm going back into this man and healing the child in the man, the childhood memories, the, 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 the teenage memories, and healing those places, and the Holy Spirit will keep bringing them up, and you articulate them, and you pray into those areas, a surgery starts to happen, 
and life starts to flow. You feel the spirit of God. You just feel the life of God just blowing. More, more energy is flowing into you. It's amazing. There's a joy I'm tapping into. There's a freedom. There's a happiness in the midst of a storm where I, I, I'm, I'm finding them. Oh, I, I can't explain it, but I, I can't explain it. But it's coming because of going back into these things. You see, many Christians today, we were never taught this. Pray for your past. Pray into the pray pray into your healing member, uh, your childhood memories. No, many Christians today are focusing on the outward warfares, the outward spiritual warfares, demons and these and these and these, and there's a time and place for that. But what I'm realizing is the scripture says the little foxes in Ecclesiastes it says no songs of Solomon. It says, be careful, watch out, the little foxes spoil the vine. I don't want to be a Christian whose marriage is shaky, who doesn't have genuine romance with my wife, whose marriage is on the rocks, doing outward spectacles. In fact, the scripture says, uh, In Titus, and then we'll come back to Third John. In Titus, he talks about qualities. Is it Second Peter? He's talking about the characteristics of an elder, and the scripture talks about taking care of your household. I believe it's in Titus, but let, let's 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 find out. My goodness, qualified elders. Yes, Titus chapter one. Titus chapter one verse five says. For this reason, I left you in Crete that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. If a man is blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of dissipation or insubordination, for a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober minded, just, holy, self controlled, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict. So qualities there that it talks about of eldership and bishopship. Now, in First Thessalonians, it talks about um, taking care of your household. It um, qualifications for overseers.
Yes. Um, First Timothy chapter three. This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not person, not covetous, one who rules his own house well. Listen to this. Having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he fail, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Isn't that beautiful? If a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? So before we run off into doing spectacles for the ministry and all of these things, God wants you and I to be people who have dealt with this temple first. You deal with this temple, then you deal with the temple of your house, and then you can start to deal effectively with the temple of God. This is huge. This is huge. So, most of our Christianity today has now, is becoming more of out, outward spiritual warfare. But the scripture says the little foxes spoil the vine. So you may not you may not realize that it is the the joints. You know, I I I I like to you know to 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 work out and stuff like that. But it's very interesting that the big muscle groups, no matter how much you work them out, their functionality, their explosiveness can sometimes, no matter how big your quads, your glutes, your 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 back, your your you know the the big muscle groups, no matter how big they are, is little muscles, little joints, little areas can stop them. Everyone will tell you, no matter how much you can carry, if inside on your shoulder there's even a little within your shoulder, a little pain, it can just paralyze you from working out your shoulders. It doesn't matter how heavy weights on a good day your shoulder can push up 90, 80 pounds. That force, as much as on the outward it looks like it's depending on the big um the outside of the muscle, on the inside, there are little joints, there are little tendons in there that should they just have something wrong with them, you, you will not even just be able to lift your shoulder. So you start to appreciate the little muscle groups as well. 
it's the same thing even in uh in ephesians in in first corinthians it talks about how um i think it's in ephesians or first corinthians it's talking about appreciating the gifts of the body that might seem less significant as fast as you can work out for instance as fast as you can work out your quads your glutes you know do all these things if your groin is not in proper shape it will slow you down and you'll be so angry you say you've got big quads big big legs big glutes strong legs strong legs if someone looks at you they they, they say wow this guy's feet this guy's you know this guy can run a marathon but you may not be able to even run one two kilometers because your groin is very sensitive it's a small area that is not but it can be very sensitive and if not dealt with you will not be able to run a marathon no matter the size of your legs so no matter how much you can pray no matter how long you can pray no matter how you can bind loose and cast out if these areas in your emotional life if you still have damaged emotions if your confidence was trapped back at two years old if there are those memories those hurts that are those scars that you have in your emotions that you haven't dealt with the explosiveness of your warfare won't be there. You won't see results. You have to deal with the heart. The rings in the rings of our thoughts and emotions, the record is there. The memories are recorded. You can't avoid it. And they're all alive. And they directly and deeply affect our concepts, our feelings our relationships they affect the way we look at life and god and others and ourselves if you've never gone in there to deal with all the times people called you funny names people said you're not good enough you didn't look good enough you are not the right size the right height the right weight your name was this your name was funny if you have never even sat down to appreciate your name you you think about this. Jabez prayed to God and said, Lord, change my name. Because my mother called me pain. She gave him that name pain because she conceived him out of pain. Some of you, you have not even come for all the time that you have been living on this earth. You've never sat down to appreciate your name. That is, that is a damaged emotion. You don't like your name. Man, your name is on every piece of paper. Your name is what people call you. You don't appreciate your name. Appreciating also how you look. Confidence is huge in that. If you don't appreciate how you look, man, that's... That's an area of damaged emotion that you need help with. You see, these things are serious. 
these things are serious. So it doesn't matter how many prayer groups you go to and you speak in tongues and you people tear up the joints and all of the outwardly manifestations happen. If you don't deal with the child memories in your attic of your mind, your emotions, the storage of your heart, you're wasting time. You'll be like a car that has no oil in its engine. It doesn't matter if you have a V12 engine. If you are not lubricated, if your soul and your mind is not lubricated, it doesn't matter spiritual warfare, what spiritual warfare you want to do. It will not pay any dividends. It will not. Now, I'm just reminded again. Listen to the scripture in 3 John, and then we'll, we'll read Second Corinthians and probably close from there. Third John says this. This is one of my favorite scriptures. It says, Beloved, I pray. Third John chapter 2. Third John verse 2. Because there's only one chapter of Third John. So it says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. Wow. It says, I pray that you may prosper and be in health, just as your soul prospers. You cannot prosper beyond the prosperity of your soul. Forget it. Just as your soul prospers. Many times the warfare is, we're still attending warfare sessions, binding, loosing, and casting. We don't realize that God has already dealt with that. But the issue that is holding us at bay are internal damages in our memories, our minds, and our emotions. Third John is revealing to us that prospering in any area of your life, it says, just as your soul prospers. In fact, another translation uh, that was from the New King James, but the original King James, uh, he says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou may prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. Even as thy soul prospers. Prosperity of the soul. Prosperity of the soul. That's what we're going to pray about as we close. That's what we're going to pray about. Prosperity of the soul. So, let me see here. Prosperity of the soul. Now, there's, I want to read the scripture from Second Second Corinthians chapter 10. And... Okay. In Second Corinthians chapter ten, and then we'll pray for prosperity of the soul. In Second Corinthians chapter ten, Paul says, "We know that scripture it says, for we wrestle not it says we do not.' So it says verse three, 
For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. Now, every warfare, every weapon that he mentions here has to do with something, with, a, with, with an enemy that has come against us in the realm of our soul, not physically. He says that's where the battle started. Paul is saying the battle that we're seeing in the natural was instigated in the mental realm, in the soul realm. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. What do they do? What do these weapons, what are the things that these weapons, he's not using them to shoot physical things. He's taking down issues that are in the soul realm, in the mental realm. He says, casting, he says, mighty in God, pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now we can say bringing every emotion into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Um, let's look at that in, um, in another translation and then we'll, we'll, we'll just close out in prayer here. Wow. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Second Corinthians. I like how the term read. I like how some translations put it. They amplified says when uh, one translation says we we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. Now, this is the one that I wanted. This is the, this is, this is the good one. The Amplified. It says, For though we walk in the flesh as modern men, we are not carrying on spiritual warfare according to the flesh and using weapons of man. The weapons of our warfare are not physical, weapons of flesh and blood. Our weapons are divinely powerful for destruction of fortresses. We are destroying. Then he starts to tell us what strongholds we're dealing with. He says we're destroying sophisticated arguments and every exalted and proud thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God, and we're taking every thought and purpose captive to the obedience of Christ. 
He says, we're destroying sophisticated arguments and every exalted and proud thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. And we're taking every thought and purpose captive to the obedience of Christ. Being ready to punish every act of disobedience when your obedience is complete. Wow. Hallelujah. So we're now understanding that in these arguments, sophisticated arguments are also hurt emotions, damaged emotions, damaged memories, memories that still store regret, condemnation, heart, guilt, and shame that we have to go in and breathe life upon and loose ourselves from these emotions, from, from these peaks. In fact, listen to Psalm, Psalm chapter 40, verse 3, I believe this is very powerful. And then you and I will pray. Here is the scripture. Psalms chapter 30, verse 1 to 3. It says, I will exalt you, Lord, for you have lifted me up and not let my foes rejoice over me. Oh, Lord, my God, I cried out to you and you healed me. Listen to the area of healing that he's talking about. Oh, Lord, you brought my soul up from the grave. You have kept me alive that I should not go down into the pit. Since I cried unto you and you have healed me, you have brought my soul from the grave. You have kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. So I'm just going to take a few minutes here just to pray for us. You know? To pray for us. And ask the Holy Spirit to bring to remembrance every traumatic experience. And ask for healing. Ask for healing. We're going to ask for healing. We're going to ask the Lord. We're going to stand on this scripture, Psalms 30, that says that our soul be brought up from the grave. Every soul, every memory of death, of discouragement right now, Holy Spirit, I ask that the power of the Holy Ghost right now will start to move and touch every one of us. Any area, I ask that within the next seven days, Along the course of this book study, Holy Spirit, I ask that you intervene. I ask that you start to reveal to each and every one of us the areas of our past where souls, where our emotions are still buried in the grave, where the two-year-old's confidence is still buried in the grave, where the 
those that bullying about our physical appearance, about the the look of our eyes, the shape of our nose, the shape of our lips, the shape of our head, the shape of our bodies, the size of our bodies, the height of our bodies, of our physique, any area of of the any words that were spoken that we we carried when we were young that brought shame to us and we, we laughed over it, but our memories recorded it as a heart. Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit right now will intervene in each area in our childhood right now. In the name of Jesus, take us back to that place and may the healing balm of Gilead flow and touch us. Touch that two-year-old. Touch that three-year-old. Touch that four-year-old. Touch that five-year-old memory. The confidence, that confidence, that confidence right now. Holy Spirit, touch it right now. Touch the confidence of our young selves, of our teenage selves, of our youthful selves. Touch our confidence and bring it out of this grave of deception. Bring it out of this grave of condemnation, of regret, of despair. In the name of Jesus right now, I pray that you, we break by the power of the Holy Ghost, strongholds, sophisticated arguments, sour tests, sour memories. We be healed right now from sour memories, a sour memory, sour experiences in our memories, in our past, from the day we were born. It says that a child the moment conception happens, a child who is unwarranted in the womb will grow up with rejection. Some of us, our mothers or our fathers or the environments of the houses we grew up in, when our mother was pregnant, words of rejection were spoken and we, the impact of those words attached onto us in our mother's womb. May every rejection that was attached onto us in our mother's womb be broken right now. May every word from the moment we were born, some of us when we were born, our parents had hoped for a girl, but a boy came out and there was disappointment. The child was not received with joy, comfort, and warmth when the child was presented. Holy Spirit, I ask that you break the power, that stronghold over us of rejection from the day we were born. Some of us, a boy was expected and a girl was born. And society has spoken against, sometimes uh, 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 they magnify having a son over a daughter. Some of us have grown up in families where we're the only boys and our parents never had a girl. And so it's, there's a stigma. Some of us, we, 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 we are the only girls in our families. We're only girls and there's no boy. And there's a stigma that your parents have always carried. That they wanted a boy, but they never got a boy. And so all the girls seem like, yeah, we didn't need all these girls, but your precious lives in the eyes of Jesus. Everyone, every one of us is precious. He says, even the sparrows that are sold for two copper coins. He says, none of them goes unnoticed before our heavenly father. How much more us who were created in his image. May the healing balm of Gilead break the yoke of that rejection of our conception and of our bath in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, oh, Holy Spirit, 
touch us right now. Let healing, let a healing balm of Gilead flow into the depths of every emotion that is trapped into the grave. The enemy, the, a stronghold that has been built of rejection, whose roots are in the day we were born, in our childhood, in the, in the academics we failed, in the things that we failed at, in the broken relationships. Every root, every tree of our emotions that you never planted, I ask that by the power of the Holy Ghost, it be broken right now in the name of Jesus. It be broken and we be loosed. We be loosed. Jesus spoke to this woman and said, Should not this daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, this 18 years old, this 18 years, ought to be loosed. Right now, I command a loosing of everyone that has been bound by a wrong foundation of their memories, of their past, in the name of Jesus. May the healing balm of Gilead flow right now and touch each and every one of us, each and every one of you, whoever is listening to this. The sour taste that you have from your childhood, may it be made sweet in the name of Jesus. The tears that you cried. He says here in Isaiah 61, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give beauty for ashes, to give the joyal of oil, the joyal, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Right now in the name of Jesus, I ask for the Holy Spirit that you will open the prison of those who are bound. In the name of Jesus, may the Holy Spirit open the prison where our emotions are being held by. Every area in our childhood, in our youth and in our teenagers, even in our adulthood, where our emotions have been caged up, where your confidence, where your beauty, where your self-esteem, where your confidence, your beauty, your self-image has been locked up in a prison that whose bars were created by, uh, by words that were spoken over you. May the blood of Jesus right now break these jail cells right now in the name of Jesus. May every bar be broken right now. May those jail cells, may the bars of iron be broken right now in the name of Jesus and by his blood. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you that we will not be held back, but our Redeemer lives. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We have freedom to be set free from all bondage of the past. May the healing balm of Gilead flow freely right now and touch every one of us. Man, I thank you. Every area where we failed, I just feel the, the presence of the Holy Spirit. Just going to keep praying for some more things. Every area where you failed an exam, where, where you failed certain things, where you, you did not do well in school, and there's a stigma that you are not smart enough. And that stigma has eaten away your confidence. And you cannot start new businesses. You cannot step into new opportunities because you, you don't think that you're smart enough. You didn't go to the best school. And you still carry that with you. May that deception be broken in the name of Jesus. The word of God says in Zechariah, it's not by might. It's not by power. It's by the spirit of the Lord in the name of Jesus. Right now. Right now, it says, any man being Christ, he's a new creation. All things are past and dead and gone. Behold, all things have become new. You step into a new confidence. You step into a new reassurance. He says he can supply the spirit of wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, of counsel, of might, of fear. 
and of reverent obedience to the Lord. May you receive a new spirit of wisdom, a spirit of understanding, a spirit of knowledge, and understanding in all manner of workmanship. Your beauty was locked up. You've never seen yourself as beautiful. And therefore, you don't have a confidence. There is a glow that you should walk with. And that has kept you from entering into relationships. It has driven people away from you because you, you have a, a sad countenance about your stature. In the name of Jesus, may that deception be broken by the power of the Holy Spirit right now. Hallelujah. 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 The spirit of comparison. Many of us sometimes are trapped on comparing ourselves with other people, the kind of wedding that they have had, the kind of man or woman that they have married. And we might be in a marriage. We might be doing a job. We might be living in a certain area right now, and the Lord has genuinely blessed us. But we're still looking back at what your best friend or what that person, the kind of man he married, and you think he married a better man than yours. You may think, that person married a better woman than yours. We're comparing ourselves to other people. And we keep looking back. And we're not free to step into what God really wants to do in our lives. In the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Ghost, may that deception be broken right now. You are fearfully and wonderfully created. God says, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. I want you to realize that, the, the, that a lion, a lion does not focus on the flying capabilities of an eagle. An eagle does not focus on the ferocious on-ground capabilities of a lion. An eagle maximizes its capability of flying. A lion maximizes its gift of strength and being the most fiercest animal that will not back away from any fight. A cheater maximizes its capabilities, its God-given abilities of running. Some animals are created to fight. Some others are created to run. Some others are created to fly. Others are created to swim. An apple looks different from a peach. What makes an apple is to be an apple. An apple trying to be a banana, it, it doesn't work like that. May you accept the talents and giftings that the Lord has given you. You admire, I don't know who I'm speaking to, you admire the giftings of everyone else and you do not admire you do not appreciate the giftings that God has given you. You think that just because someone is an athlete, that they, that is the most precious gift. No. The beauty of creation is in, is in its diverse gifts. Everyone, just imagine, if in all of creation, if there were no mountains and it was just rivers, it would not be a beautiful creation. The painting, the canvas of creation and nature will not be beautiful. Some flowers are red. Some flowers are green. Some flowers are white. Some flowers are pink. Some flowers are purple. Leaders are different. Roses are different. Appreciate the giftings that God has given you. 
embrace them, harness them, and grow in them. You're spending a lot of time admiring movie actors, admiring athletes, admiring real estate agents. Admire, accept your gift as an author. Accept your gift as a chef. Accept your gift as a musician. Accept your gift. Become good at it. And the Lord will bless you through that avenue. It, it, is, it is ignorant of a lion to be praying to God and saying, teach me how to fly. That would be a very dumb prayer of a lion, saying, teach me how to fly. The best use of a lion's prayer is to say, teach me, give me more strength. You created me to fight. That's how I'm going to feed, to get into warfare on the ground. Give me more strength, on the ground strength. If a lion starts to pray that God give me more strength to fly, that's a dumb prayer. In the name of Jesus, may all deception be broken off of you. Woo! Hallelujah. Glory, glory be to God. Glory, glory, glory. And I, I was so blessed by this, and I hope you were also blessed. This was amazing. This was fun. The mere fact that um, we had planned to dive into divine repairs, but our recap ended up taking us into some more discussions about the subject shows that there's a lot of healing that you and I need and for the Holy Spirit to work on you and I. So um, I just share this with someone. You know, I hope this blesses you. Don't undermine this area of our spirituality, our emotional health. It is key. The scripture says, little foxes spoil the vine. The areas of warfare that Paul was talking about, the strongholds that are being broken, it's all within the realm of the soul, the mind, the will, and the emotions. Third John told us that you may prosper and be in hell even as thy soul prospers. So, this is episode three, and I hope this really blessed your heart. And just to close you off, send you away, remember these words. Now may the God of hope fill you all with joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. This was definitely um, amazing. I enjoyed our time together. And um, Your host for this show, episode episode three of our book study on healing for damaged emotions by David A. Simmons. Um, your host for today, once again, was Calvin Cavanda. That's my name. We hope that this episode blessed your heart. Grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied unto you. The Lord keep you. May the Lord bless you and keep you from the evil one. Thank you for tuning in. 
and see you on our next episode. Thank you. Thank you. Goodbye.